John 10. I'm going to read a little bit in John 10 and then jump around quite a bit. Uh, rather than read the whole thing, I think we'll do the same thing we did last week where we read the relevant portion and then talk about it and then read the next section. Although I'm going to go a little bit backwards, a little bit start at the end of the chapter and then we'll work our way back up to the end again. So let's start here in John 10, verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So keep your finger there in John 10, because we're going to camp out there, but then just flip over a couple pages to John 14, and just read one verse here in John 14. 14.1 Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So the theme I want to talk to you about today is the main imperative that John writes about. You know, we talked about, and I, we did this before, but I'll just remind you, that in the other Gospels, if I said, can you give me some commands, you know, that come up in, the, in, in these Gospels about how a Christian ought to live, you know, it, it's pretty easy even if we just narrow it down to the Sermon on the Mount. What are some commands, you know, when you pray? Don't go into the street and like the Pharisees and pray to be seen by men, but go into your closet. Um, you know, there's some things on divorce. There's things on... There's so many things. There's so many commands. But we said, I said, well, what about John? Can you give me any commands in John? And we basically, all the ones that people could remember, boil down to believe. Look on Jesus. Be born again. Uh, eat the bread of life. Drink the living water. You know, all these commands that John has, they're not the kind of ethical commands we think about. They're just believe. He doesn't really even confront the woman in John 4 about her adultery. He talks to her about it, but he doesn't directly confront her. He calls her, really, to believe. And over and over, that's kind of the theme. And so John's different. It's really different than the other Gospels. And John 14 through 17, which we're just getting into, just read the first verse, is it's an amazing passage in that it has the... God referred to his father more times than any other book in the Bible, period. Any other book, just those chapters. And that's many times more than the whole Old Testament combined. So that's amazing. It's a unique, it's a unique section. And so I'm excited to get there 
in terms of this series on God being our Father from John. But what's going to happen, actually, is going to be a lot of repetition of things that we've already seen in John, the <coughs> chapters leading up to 14 to 17. But this time, it's a command. And the command is believe, trust. And I'll say this again. You'll probably hear this many times, and you've already heard it many times. But the word believe and the word faith are the same word. One's a verb, and one's a noun, and they're so similar, it's like the word hammer and hammer in English. You have a hammer, that's a noun, and what you do with it is you hammer, that's a verb. And that's the way it is in Greek. There's only a few letters difference, just a suffix difference between believe and faith in the Greek. It's the same word. So I'm going to use those interchangeably, faith and believe, but it really helps to know that as you're reading um, reading the, the New Testament. So today, faith, believe, and actually going to use the exact same points from John 10 as I did last week, which is that God calls us, he cares for us, and he keeps us. God calls us, he cares for us, and he keeps us. But I'm going to ask one question uh, that we didn't really discuss last week. There's the facts, this is what God does, but here John, Jesus, at the end of John 10, and then again in John 14, is encouraging us, believe, believe, have faith. It's one thing to even be able to repeat the sermon you know, uh, on the mount or to be able to repeat this passage in John 10. But what? it's a whole other thing to believe it, to have faith. And so that's the question really today is, do you believe? Now, the Christian life begins by faith, doesn't it? We all, we all know that. We all know that the Christian life begins by faith. Think about some of the passages just that come to your mind. I mean, if you just do a word search by faith, some encouraging passages, we're justified by faith. So when we believe on Jesus, we're declared righteous before God. Uh, Romans talks about propitiation is received by faith. So this blood that covers our sin, that's received by faith when we trust Jesus. But we don't want the Christian life to stop there. Believe Jesus for our sins, and then just go on with our daily life. And we're believing Jesus for our sins, that he'll cover them, he'll, he'll wash us, and then just go keep on living our lives. We want more than that, don't we? And the New Testament speaks of more than that. It says we're sanctified by faith. It says we live by faith. We walk by faith. There's a lot. And so what that looks like is not just we trust Jesus for our sins to be covered and then we go live our life and we think about that every once in a while or we may even thank Jesus for that every morning. We want to walk by faith, which walk, you know, repeated little steps, same thing over and over. But as we go throughout our day, we're trusting Jesus, not just with our sins, but we're walking by faith. We're living by faith. We're trusting Jesus when we get out of bed. We're trusting Jesus when... Our kids don't want to come to church on time because, you know, they know that we woke them up an hour early somehow, <laughs> right? There's a lot of things like that, you know. Throughout your day, things are happening, and you're trusting Jesus. We want to be. And we want that to increase more and more and more throughout our lives. We want to walk and live by faith more and more. Give more things to God each day, each year than we did last year. Are we justified by faith? Absolutely. It's a wonderful and amazing truth. But we want to not stop there. We don't want to be justified by faith, and that's it. We want to live by faith. We want to walk by faith. When 
difficult things come into your life, is it important that we trust Jesus, that he covers our sins? Absolutely. But you know what? Let's trust Jesus with the car that breaks down. Let's trust Jesus with our bad attitude, our impatience. You know, a thousand things a day, we have an opportunity to trust Jesus. And I meant to, well, I just realized I forgot something. I was going to read you a quote, but I'll try and just paraphrase it from Andrew Murray. But basically, Andrew Murray says, I love the gospel. It's a wonderful truth that Jesus came to die for our sins. But I want to hear proclaimed as equally um, clear and as equally passionate that Jesus is with us day to day. And we can trust him day to day. And he said, if we do, our Christian lives will be different. And our, our call to the lost will be, um, one, more biblical, but two, more compelling. Because we're not just saying Jesus is going to forgive you of your sin and then you're going to live your whole life and then eventually you're going to meet him. We're saying Jesus is going to forgive you from, of your sin. He's going to change you and make you new and he's going to be with you every step of the way until the end. And that's compelling. That's, that's amazing that God will be with us. And so we're sanctified by faith, we live by faith, we walk by faith. And so the end of John chapter 10, he basically challenges them, just believe. Why don't you believe me? Look at my life. Look, if you don't want to believe me as a person, at least look at the works I'm doing. You know, The blind are seeing. The, look at the compassion, you know. The dead are being raised here in the next chapter, and yet they won't believe. And so, not only to the lost, that's the challenge, believe, have faith, but the call to the Christians. And when Judas leaves in John 13, Jesus says the same thing, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe not only in the Father, but believe in Jesus. Have faith in them both, equally, separately, but we want to, we want to trust them both. And so... Just to, just to review, the way I'm summarizing John chapter 10 is God calls us, cares for us, and he keeps us. And my question to you today is, believe, is, do you believe it? And if you don't, or if you're kind of struggling to believe it, or it's not real to you, believe it. Trust him. Have faith in what God said. So let's read uh, the first of those three, God calls us in John chapter 10, starting verse 1. This is an amazing section, of course. John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens... The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So first, he calls. And we talked, you know, a lot last week about that, the call, the different calls, all in the call of the gospel, the call to follow Jesus, the call to believe and have your sins forgiven to repent, to have living water, to eat bread that satisfies and, and you'll never be hungry or thirsty again, Jesus, to feast on him. But the question I have for you today is, 
is do you believe it? And this, in a way, again, is to non-Christians to hear that one more time to plead with you to hear the call of Jesus to run to him, to believe in him, to trust him, to repent. It's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to believe it, isn't it? Now, I'll give you, I'm going to give you three examples, just kind of, kind of a parable in a way, of the difference between hearing and even maybe even be able to repeat or to know something, but then when you really believe it. Imagine if I had a check, which I don't, but if I had a check and I said this check is to cancel your debt and I want to give it to you. Well, it's one thing for me to do that. It's a totally another thing for you to believe me enough to take the check to the bank, isn't it? If I do that and I give you the check, and you don't believe me, you don't believe I have the funds, you don't believe it's real, you don't believe it's a free gift, you think I'm going to maybe use it to blackmail you later or something like that, for whatever, some reason you don't believe that it's, it's a gift to you, and you never take it to the bank. You don't, that would be sad, wouldn't it? The better my heart is toward you, the more sad that would be, wouldn't it? If I really, really cared and grieved me deeply, you know, that maybe you're in debt and I really wanted to help and you wouldn't receive it, how sad would that be? But greater than that is our debt, right, of sin. And greater than the check that could cancel all your earthly debt is the blood of Jesus and his righteousness. And there's many who hear your debt. I want to pay it. I want you to be forgiven. I mean, think about Jesus standing looking down on Jerusalem and weeping because he wanted to gather them like a hen gathers her chick, chicks. And they, but they wouldn't. They were not willing. How sad. But how good to believe. To re- receive it. To hear. And to say, wow, this is, this is true. This is real. God's going to wipe away my sin. He's going to cancel my debt. You know, another parable that's exactly the same thing just in a little different way is is a cure if i had a bottle of pills and i said yeah i know you're sick but i've got good news i've got the cure to hear it to know it to be able to repeat it is one thing to believe it and to be cured is a different thing and it's a wonderful thing isn't it it's a wonderful thing when god cures your deepest sickness which is sin i mean haven't you felt the freedom of sins that used to be binding you that you couldn't get free of? I remember coming to church every week and saying, God, I'll try harder next week, and confessing the same sin over and over and over, totally bound up. And then God saved me, and he freed me. And that's amazing feeling, isn't it? I mean, aren't you thankful that there's sins that you used to just totally enslave you, and now you're free? That those things don't hold you like they once did. That what's, what's binding you now, what's got a hold of you is the love of God and His goodness. And that's much more powerful than sin ever was. And you feel cured, don't you? You never realize how miserable you were until you've been set free. I was like, I'm a different person. I didn't realize. You know, those, there's times, even as Christians, but you feel like something, a burden was lifted you didn't know was there. But that, uh, that happens even more, conversion. We're cured, we're new, we got a new nature. Praise the Lord. One more example. So not only 
is he calling us to pay our debt and to cure us of our sickness, which is ourselves, you know, who we are. We need to be born again. And he says, I'll make you new. But he's calling us to, since this is a series, you know, on God being our father, to become a child. And this is actually a true story. I've had, I've had multiple students that came to my mind, I was thinking about this week, preparing this, who would get offers to be adopted. And they would go through the process. And then, you know, they would go and then they would meet the people that were interested. And then they would stay there a night. And then they would stay there a weekend. And then they would stay there, you know, kind of like a longer trip. And then they would tell them, like, this is kind of the last step. You know, this goes well. This family is wanting to adopt you. And there was, there's multiple kids I can think of, very large age range, that would sabotage it at the end. And they, they did it so often that they would say, like, yeah, this is the last one, but the last however many times this has happened never goes well, you know, and they always come back, and it, went, it was, like, as bad as it could go, and it falls apart. And it was like the kid, it was almost like the kid didn't want to be let down, you know, like, I don't want them to reject me, so I'm going to be as bad as possible, and they're going to, you know, say they don't want to do it anymore. How sad is that? It's like, you know, imagine that. I want I want you to be my child. I want you in my family. And you're just, you just can't hardly believe it. You just can't believe, you can't really believe that people really want you. Um, that you, they really want to adopt you. And that's sad. That's really sad. But how much more sad? Because that, at best, that lasts, you know, 10, 15 years. And then your life, maybe you keep, connection with them as parents for 50 years maybe but there's an eternal adoption Jesus offers to any who would come and receive who believe, who will believe remember John 1 said that all who believed in him he gave them the right to be called children of God God wants to be your father and many say no I don't I don't believe that I don't believe that uh, I'm not willing to go there. That's sad. But it's good because the offer's free and you're here, you're alive. There's one day where you won't have an opportunity again to receive that. It's gonna the door's gonna shut. But today is not that day. You're here, you're alive. You can be a child of God today just by believing. Just believing what God said. Hey, I want you, I wanna pay your debt, I wanna cure your disease of sin, and I want to adopt you as my child. And if you believe that, that's the best news in the world. Not if you know it. I bet many of you, especially kids here, know it. You could probably repeat the verses to me. Some of you better than I can repeat them to you, probably. And yet, you've got to believe it. Believe that what God said is real. Well, not only that, Christian. I mean, what about you? I mean, to you, Christian, don't, I mean, don't you doubt God that you're God's child? You know, not that he's a liar, not saying, oh, I don't believe what God said is true, but as you go throughout your day, you just slip in to living like you're not. Like it's not real, like it's not real to you. Let's believe it. Believe in God, Jesus said. Believe also in me. How much different would our life be if we could enter in day to day? I'm the child of God today. I'm God's child today. Whatever kind of care God would have for Jesus today that's the care he has for me today. Praise God. That's available.
So that's the first question, do you believe it? And then the second, not only does God call us, but he cares for us. He cares for us. Let's read the next set of verses here. Seven, starting verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's stop right there. So the next thing is that God cares for us. He'll lead us out. You know, green pastures, we're his sheep. He's going to care for us. He's here that not for our... He's not here to make us miserable. He's here to care for us, for our good, to give us life, to give us abundant life. It's, a, it's amazing to know it, but it's another thing to believe it, isn't it? it? To hear it, but to believe it. To believe it, not just in general, but for today. And let me ask you this. What about you? I mean, are you in a difficult situation and maybe not even knowing it, or maybe consciously you're doubting, is this for my good? Does God really care for me here? How can this turn out for good? Or how can this be a good gift from a good shepherd? It's a common experience for the people of God, isn't it? I'm going to read you a verse from, you can turn there if you want to, First Samuel 27. And it's David, and it's just real short. Um, 27, David who God you know, anointed as king, he says something in First uh, Samuel 27, 1. It says, Then David said in his heart, Now I shall one day, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. Think about that. God had anointed David king, but then one day, he said in his heart, this is amazing that this is included in the story, he said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. What is he saying there? He's saying he began to believe in his heart God wasn't going to protect him. God wasn't going to deliver him. That one day it would run out. And it's amazing here that there is really a turning point in the life of David here as he, as he begins to say in his heart, one day Saul's going to get me. 
And he begins to take things into his own hands. But think about David. You know, he said, think about when he met Goliath. You know, they were, they were out there. Everyone else was afraid, but David said, you know, God deliver me from the bear, God deliver me from the lion, and God will deliver, God will deliver me um, in this situation. And he did. And he absolutely did. He delivered all of Israel. I mean, think about the faith there that he has, that God cares for him. Even Saul says to David that the Lord is with, was with him. And uh, it said that of all the servants of Saul, David had the most success. That's pretty amazing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if your life was like everybody, everybody said, like, yeah, if God's going to give success, it's going to be to, you know, so-and-so. <laughs> I mean, you would think you would have great confidence. But that's not the way we work, is it? God can give us a great deliverance and then we can begin to doubt in our heart. And then over and over, God delivered David. He delivered him from Saul when Saul tried to pin him to the wall. Then Saul sent servants to kill him and God delivered him again. He made a dummy and was let down through the window. Then there's a prophet named Gad who warns David to flee. And so he flees, his life spirits. So that's three times already. Then um, later on, he saves the city from, from the Philistines, I think. Actually, I can't remember. He saves the city from someone. And then he asks the Lord, are they going to deliver me to Saul? Over to Saul? And, they, and God answers him, yep. <laughs> Doesn't say yet, but that's my version. And, and so he flees. So there's like four or five times right there. That's f- four or five times already God's delivered him from Saul, delivered him from Saul, delivered him from Saul. Saul sought, it says there's another verse, that this is hard to count, you can't really count how many times God saved him here, because it says, Saul sought him every day, but the Lord didn't give him into his hand. Well, I don't know how long that was, but we could surely add like 10 or 15 to the list right there. And over and over, God delivers him, God delivers him. There's one time after that in 1 Samuel where they're about, it says they're about, Saul had been pursuing him, they're about to catch him, and it says a messenger came and said the Philistines had made a raid and they had to turn around, Saul had to turn around. How many times? I mean, there's just in that short summary, there's so many times God delivered him and delivered him and delivered him, but then he got, he got weary and he started to believe in his heart, God's not going to keep delivering me one day. Saul's going to get me. But think of the sadness. Think what it means to have the care of God, but not to believe it. Think about that. You're miserable, right? God's there, ready to take care of you. Almighty God, who made a promise to you, and he is there to take care of you, but you don't believe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's really going to do it. That's so sad. You've got the care, but you don't have the comfort because you don't have the faith to believe. Think about it. It's like a child with a parent. Can you imagine if every day your kids were worried that you, you didn't love them or you didn't care about them or you weren't going to feed them? But every day you were willing and you're able to give them food, give them shelter, give them a bed to sleep in, and every day they were worried about it. That would be miserable. But we can live like that as Christians, can't we? We've got the care of Almighty God. He loves us. He cares for us. We're his sheep. He's saying he's ready to care for us. But we're living day to day with doubt. Like, 
oh yeah, but you know, I'm not sure what about this? Is God really going to help here? This situation, I wasn't expecting it. And now it's really hard. Is God really going to come through for me? And you live with anxiety and you're, it's miserable. All the while, there's Almighty God there ready to comfort and care for you, but you have to at least just believe Him. Just believe Him. It's like uh, another good example is the disciples in the boat. Remember when they were in the boat and there was a storm and they said, don't you care that we perish? Remember that? Don't you care? They started to doubt that, that Jesus even cared about them. They're miserable. They've got God in the boat. I mean, what better place could you be in a storm is in a boat with God Almighty in the boat with you, you know? It's like, is God going to let the boat sink that Jesus is in? I don't think so. I mean, (laughs) he's Jesus, you know? He's the Son of God. He's right there with you. But they're overcome by fear and anxiety because they didn't believe. They started to doubt, does God really care? You, where are you at? I mean, you've... I'm 100% sure that, you know, especially the adults here, things are going on in your life that are difficult, that you didn't expect, that you didn't want, that you would rather they're gone. You're in a storm, in a way. But here's the deal. God's with you in the boat. Like, God's there. God cares for you. He's your shepherd. And he has care for you. And you can live worried about it. Like, oh, no, does God really care? Or you can receive his promise and take the comfort that, that he's willing to give. Don't be like the child that's always anxious. Are my parents going to feed me? And every day the parent says, we always feed you. Have you ever missed a meal? No. Well, why would we not feed you today? Don't be like that. That's God to you. I'm with you. I'll help you. I'll, I'm your shepherd. I'm here to give you abundant life. I will guide you. you I'm going to talk, and you're going to follow me. You're going to hear my voice, and I'll go before you. I'm not even going to make you go first. I'll, I'll become a man and live and die so you can see exactly what it means. And then I'll send my spirit to be inside you, just in case that wasn't enough. And every day you can know, I'm out for your good. I'm here to care for you. Yes, unexpected things are going to happen, but it doesn't change my heart towards you. Believe it. Don't live in the anxiety of doubting God's care. You know, you could see the effects there if you wanted to read 1 Samuel 27 through the end of of his doubt there, beginning to doubt. It, it It's about the worst part of the story, in, for, at least in 1 Samuel, is when he begins to doubt God's care for him. All the while, God is going to deliver him. He, but he doesn't have the comfort because he doesn't believe him, doesn't believe God. So my call and God's call and Jesus' call to us today is, Believe it. God cares for you. Whatever boat, storm you're in, don't say, God, don't you care. Say, God, I know you care. Or even, God, I'm struggling to believe you care. Help me. Help my unbelief. God will help you. Which is very encouraging. Enter in by faith into what God has said, into God's heart for you. He's a father. He's a father, a good father. Good fathers care for their kids. And God is the best father. He cares for you and he will care for you. Well, and then finally, kept. He's going to keep us. Let's finish out this section here. 1022. 
starting at 1022. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. There's believe again. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I mean, we got double keeping there. That's a good application to Jesus' Jesus's words in John fourteen one: Believe in God, believe also in me. Both. Both are going to keep you. You're in Jesus' hand and you're in the Father's hand. And no one can take them out. No one can take you out of either one. You're going to be kept. And there's so many facets to being kept. But I just want to, I want you to think about one that's pretty encouraging to me. Um, it's in Zechariah 12, 8. Sp- Spurgeon has a really good, this is where I sp- read this verse. From, it was from a Spurgeon devotional. And it was just so encouraging. Zechariah 12, 8. If you have to sing the song, it's kind of take a long time because it's at the very end. So it's almost easier just to go back, start in the New Testament and go back left two books to Zechariah. Earlier I was singing that, <laughs> trying to find Zechariah. Um, so Zechariah 12, 8. On that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David and the house of David shall be like God and the angel of the, like the angel of the Lord going before them. Well, there's a lot of things. This is kind of in a ser- uh, long section of kind of complicated prophecy, but the way Spurgeon took it and the way I'm going to take it is specifically maturity. God is going to bring us on that the feeblest among among us will be like David in the best sense, right? David at his best. David writing Psalm 23. David, not when he was doubting, but when he was trusting and praising and living by faith. David when he faced Goliath. That's what we're going to be like. Full of joy. Men and women after God's own heart. It's pretty amazing to think. Think about what it would mean if you really believe that. God's going to bring me on to the end. He's going to mature me. And one day I really am going to be like Jesus. It's comfort to your heart. It's like somehow for me it made it so much more real to hear it. I'm, the feeblest among us is going to be like David. Because I was. it's like I want to be like Jesus. And I know there's a lot of promises like that. But it's almost so far in the distance that like believe that we're going to be like Jesus. Or believe that I'm going to be like Jesus. It's like I want to. But David is like a notch below Jesus, obviously. And it's almost like close enough where you can almost see it. Like, yeah, I think I can start to believe that God really will bring us on and we really will be like David, you know. And then if you start believing that, that's what he said, he's going to do it. Then you can start thinking and beyond and like Jesus. But it's helpful to me to think 
just think about that. One day, your sins and your struggles, they really are. God's going to keep you. He's going to mature you. He's going to bring you on. That's one way He's going to keep you is by growing you. That's amazing. You got a struggle with sin? <laughs> Don't lose heart. Don't think it's never going to be defeated. Don't give up. God, even the feeblest among us is going to be like David. Every single one of us. <laughs> I mean, don't you want to be like, don't you read the Psalms and think, man, I want to be like David. <laughs> Some of that is just amazing. God is a refuge and strength. Actually, I, I don't remember if that one's by David or not off the top of my head, but there's so many good ones, you know. And it's like, man, I want to live this out. I want to sing this. Well, you will. And you're going to make it. You're going to make it not because you're awesome and mighty, but because God is awesome and mighty. And He's going to grow you. One way He's going to keep you is He's going to grow you. There's a lot of other ways that He keeps us, but just think on that one. It's amazing. Me personally, it makes me think emotionally. I mean, that's one of the... I mean, you can have a hard day circumstantially, but when your emotions are off, it's like, how do I get these turned around? It's like, I'm feeling so whatever, discouraged, I'm feeling so down or or whatever. And it's like, man, I cannot get this turned around. Or even on good days, you know. But what will it be to have our emotions fixed? (laughs) They respond to reality. We hear truth about God. I mean, think about that. Think about just all the stuff we covered today. What if you heard it and you could receive it and grasp hold on it in faith and rejoice like we should rejoice? <laughs> That's awesome. That's going to be amazing. You know, remember the uh, psalm where it says that we could just it'd be better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God? I mean, it's going to be awesome. I think about that, and again, in terms of emotionally, imagine... You go home, you have a good attitude at work, you're happy to be there, you're happy to serve God, you're not annoyed at people, you're just thankful for all the blessings God given, has given you. And you go home, and the new heavens, the new earth, and whatever we're going to eat, maybe maybe it'll be things that we don't even know what they are yet, or maybe bread, um, and receive it with a thankful heart, and be able to go to sleep. With your attitude right all day long. That's all. That would be awesome. No sin. Ah, that's going to be amazing. But we got to believe it. It's hard day to day, isn't it? In the sinful world, there's sin all around. It gets on us even when we, when it's not even in our heart, just living in the world. But one day, God's going to keep us. We know He's going to keep us. We know it keeps his word. There's another good verse about his keeping in Psalm 48. I'll just read it to you. It says that he will be our guide even unto death. I think it's a little bit different in the ESV, but I think that might be the King James. But he will be our guide even unto death. He's going to keep you all the way to the end. That's an encouraging thought. Look to God, believe him. Start looking at myself, my own maturity, and where I'm at right now, my own struggles. Kind of discouraging. Thinking about Jesus, how he'll keep us. Encouraging. Thinking about 
our maturity right now, how much like the Psalms we are right now, but discouraging thinking about God's promise. One day it's all going to be right. That's encouraging. And we know it. We know it's true. We can trust God. He's not a liar. We look at the life of Jesus. We know this is not a liar. (laughs) Jesus, if anybody was right about anything, Jesus was right. (laughs) I'm going to trust Jesus above everybody else. We know by looking at his life, he's got it. He's got something nobody else has. He knows like nobody else knows. And this is what he said. Well, that's all I really have today. I just want to encourage you to believe. Don't live knowing and reading and hearing the truths about God and his heart, his love, his care, his keeping, his calling of you. Live like they're not real because you don't believe it. Believe it. Receive it by faith today and encourage your heart in what he said and it'll help. And that's what really the way we can we can end it is just think about that verse, Psalm, or not Psalm, John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You got a troubled heart? Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. So you got a troubled heart? Faith. Faith will, faith will help. Faith in God, faith in the Father, his heart towards you, and faith in Jesus, his work accomplished for you. And so let's just uh, end there with a prayer. Father, we do confess that we, uh, we just need help day to day, emotionally, um, physically, spiritually. We just need help. Um, we want to believe more. We do pray and ask for forgiveness for the times where we say in our heart, um, just like David, Saul's going to get us or, or something like that, our own version of that. We're just sorry. We know you're true, but we're weak. And so you said you know our frame, and so we're asking for help. Deliver us from thoughts, low thoughts of you. Fill us with faith today. And I do pray you'd make just even just one of these things real to us today. I do pray even for maybe if there's any kids here, especially aren't Christians, have mercy on them. I pray that they would lay hold in faith on what you've done for them. Pray you'd help us this week as we go throughout our day just to believe you and have faith in you. And many moments throughout the day and we need help or will you remind us thank you so much for this passage thank you for your love thank you for sending Jesus Jesus thank you for being willing to die we hand this all these things to you and we trust you amen